Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tim Dillon Show from our temporary studio. It depresses me so much how the audio-only episodes of the show do not perform well on YouTube, even though they're really some of the best content. You know, the podcast I just did is one of the best I've ever done, and it's hovering under 300,000 views because there's no video. They're so much better when they're just audio. Mm. It's all meant to be audio. It's not meant to be this. This is all kinds of forced, by the way. Okay? It's crazy to me that people... But I understand we live in a visual culture, and I do enjoy the visual episodes and, you know, the visual aids that I have to show you, look, this is what I mean. Mm. And But listen to the last episode I did. It, it was recorded from a car driving through Texas. And it's better than many of the video episodes because it's not really supposed to be a video medium, but nobody cares. Intent and intention don't matter uh, to the people that watch this show. They just, they're addicted to visual. They don't really care what goes on. Austin, Texas, how Austin became one of the least affordable cities in America Big New York Times piece on my favorite city bar, none, the capital of Texas. How Austin became one of the least affordable cities in America. The capital of Texas has long been an attractive place to call home, but with an average 180 new residents a day, its popularity has created a brewing housing crisis that is reshaping the city. 180 new residents a day. 60 of them comedians. 180. That's wild. Mm. How many? 200 people a day moving to Austin, Texas. Why? No one knows, but they're coming. Over the last few years, in one of the fastest-growing cities of uh, in America, change has come at a feverish pace to the capital of Texas, with churches demolished, mobile home parks raised, and neighborhood haunts replaced with trendy restaurants and luxury apartment complexes. It's a big gentrification project, is what's going on. The transformation has perhaps been most acutely felt across East Austin, and the neighborhood of Montopolis, a 2.5-square-mile patch southeast of downtown, where unobstructed views of the ever-expanding skyline have made the historically black and Latino neighborhood a sought-after community. Well, you know who's coming. White people. White people are coming. White women and white men are coming to live in Montopolis so they can get a view of the ever-expanding Google skyline in Austin, Texas. I, of course, live 30 minutes away from Austin. I'm not even in the county. I have nothing to do with this. I have displaced no one. I bought a house from a guy who was a retired cop. But he retired a long time ago, mm-hmm. and and the wife, and they were white. I am displacing nobody, nor have I ever. In every city that I've moved, I've never really displaced any of the indigenous people, unlike uh, many of my counterparts 
in comedy and elsewhere. Uh, they have all the right opinions online, but where do they live? They live in these areas that have been historically Hispanic neighborhoods in LA. Mm -hmm. And in New York, they've been African-American neighborhoods. And people come in and they just don't care. And they move into these apartments and they tweet, Black Lives Matter, from a room where a black family used to live. So it's a weird cognitive dissonance many of them have. Because they are the problem. But I'm not an anti-gentrification guy. I understand that there are positives and negatives to it. But I've never done it. I'm exempting myself. I lived in Hell's Kitchen. And then I lived in Astoria mm -hmm. where everybody, it's, it's a multi-ethnic paradise in Queens. I never lived in a trendy hip. I lived for two months in Flatbush, Brooklyn. Mm -hmm with a crazy woman and uh, the house had no garbage because she was afraid of rats and it was her room and my room and my room did not have a door. I just had a curtain and this crazy woman uh, would put a garbage bag and tie it onto the um, door of the kitchen and she said, we cannot have a garbage because of rats. She was terrified of rats. Apparently she saw a rat or thought she did in the apartment, and from then on, she would never have a garbage. And every day, she would take uh, three bites out of the northeastern corner of a piece of toast <laughs> and then put it back in the refrigerator every single day. And I would see it as I went in to get almond milk for cereal. I would see the, which is three little bites like a rat, like a rat would do. And me and her had a falling out. And she wanted me to leave. And I don't even remember what the falling out was about. I just remember she wanted me to leave. And I said, I want my security deposit back. And she goes, well, that's not the way it works. And I said, well, it is the way it works. And I forced her to give me my security deposit back. And she made me meet her in a drugstore in Brooklyn, a small drugstore in public, because she was afraid to like meet me at the house, mm -hmm. you know? And I took, the security deposit back. It wasn't a lot of money. I think it was like a check for $750. And I just I just screamed very loudly at her. It embarrassed her in the store. I said, you're an animal. You're an animal. As I was walking out, I said, you're a goddamn animal. And uh, I wish her well. Uh, for two months, but that's it. But every other place I've lived, I've never, ever once lived in a... Gen and I'm not saying that everybody who lives in a gentrifying area uh, is a demon. But, you know, I, I'm, I, I, there's something about the energy of those areas I don't like. I don't like these trendy areas. And a lot of those areas, it's like white women with gang art... Like, that's the aesthetic. It's like white women gang art. And I, to me, that's not for me. I, I like to go out to the suburbs. I like the suburbs. I really do. Cities are hellish, truly. As I've grown older, I've started to realize that. When I was younger, you would like the cities. But then you live in the cities and you go, eh, the suburbs are nicer. They're better. Mm -hmm. There's more space, right? Mm-hmm. There's not a ton of people with their ideas. Everyone has an idea. 
suburbs, people just go, hey, shut up. Get takeout. Instead of assaulting me with your ideas, get takeout. Take food from that restaurant, bring it to your house and eat it. So when you feel like talking about the things you believe in, stuff it down with food. So when something is about to come out, like, well, you know what I really, put a calzone in there, stuff it back down. That's what I like about the suburbs as opposed to the cities where everybody is tripping over each other to let you know all the things they figured out. They figured it all out. That's why they have three roommates um, and they get high uh, and they're 40, but they figured it out in the cities. And you know what's coming now? And we're not going to spend too much time on this article in Austin, uh, but let, I do want to read this. Mm. We knew it was coming, said Francisco Nunez, Irish, who for nearly two decades lived at the Cactus Rose Mobile Home Park until it was sold to a developer to make way for amenity-rich apartments that now fetch more than double what he once paid in rent. The Cactus Rose Mobile Home Park. A decade ago, Austin, the capital of Texas, often deemed a liberal oasis in a staunchly conservative state, was among the most affordable places to live. Now, according to a forecast prepared by Zillow, a real estate company that tracks affordability, the Austin metro area is on track to become by year's end, the least affordable major metro region for home buyers outside of California. It has already surpassed hot markets in Boston, Miami, and New York City. So, I mean, listen, and I see people on Twitter quoting this article, and they're like, we did it. We did it. You hate L.A. You've made Austin a shittier L.A. <laughs> Thank you, Elon Musk and Joe Rogan and Google and uh, all of these people telling you how great it was to move to this hot, uh, insect-infested swamp known as Austin Tech. Look at this lovely couple. They lived in a mobile home park, and that's what should happen. Mm -hmm. They're enjoying it. They have nice plants. They look happy, yeah. They're happy. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? Elon Musk goes, oh, I don't like LA. And then he goes, we're going to move to Austin. And then Joe Rogan goes, we're going to make the biggest comedy scene in the world. And then all of these people move to Austin. Well, then what the hell happens? They get kicked out of their mobile home, Cactus Rose mobile home park, to make way for high rises that will be filled with demons. Austin is the worst kept secret says Job Hammond. J-O-B, Job Hammond is this person's name. With the University of Texas flagship campus, gentle rolling hills, and a vibrant music scene. Let's unpack all of this briefly. Okay? The University of Texas flagship campus is, is an utterly meaningless statement. That's, let's just get that out of the, let's get that out of the way. The University of Texas flagship, like we mean business at this location, gentle rolling hill. I mean, what are they talking about? It's for stupid people. Gentle rolling hills. What? I don't even know what that means. And a vibrant music scene. That is not true. It has no music scene. Literally none. Austin has been an attractive place to call home. Long been an attractive place. 
to call home. But surging prices have created a brewing housing crisis that is reshaping the city of nearly one million people and pushing mostly low-income black and Latino residents like Mr. Nunez away from cultural centers, transportation hubs, grocery stores, and other amenities. What they're going to need to do is build affordable housing. They're going to need to build affordable housing. That's what's going to need to happen. I'm calling it right now. They're going to need to build affordable housing for all these people that are getting displaced. Do you disagree with me? No, I agree. I think they should build affordable housing. Yes. Because you can just say that to get out of any conversation (laughs) about this. You go like this. You go, well, because this is what people in Austin do. Everybody's sawing into brisket. You go, oh, they're going to build affordable housing. Affordable housing is coming. Well, I understand your concerns, but uh, we need affordable housing. There's going to be affordable housing for the Nunez uh, family. Um, Well, I'm glad you asked. There's housing coming, and it's going to be affordable. (laughs) So the Nunez's, no, 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 listen, listen to me. Stop freaking out. Stop. It doesn't, it's it's affordable housing is coming. No, they're going to build housing like for regular people, except they're going to give it uh, to to them for less, and it's going to be affordable housing. Do you not get it? Affordable housing. So what I'm saying is I'm not worried about any of this uh-uh. because they're going to build affordable housing, and everything's going to be okay. My recommendation is you not move to Austin, Texas, um, because there's truly nothing to move to. And I'm not, I'm not insulting. I don't even live in Austin, Texas. I live outside of Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. I don't, I've walked around Austin, Texas. I've driven around Austin, Texas. I, for the life of me, don't know what people are talking about. And I'm trying to get on board. But I can't get it through my head. I don't know what they mean about the vibrant music scene. and The only thing they've got is shootings. If you like shootings, if you're into shootings, do you like shootings? Google Austin, Texas shooting. They love shootings. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Man killed after shooting in Northeast Austin. Three people shot during two separate South Austin shootings. One hospitalized, one arrested after shooting in Austin Entertainment District. And who's being entertained? Police investigating late night shooting near UT Austin. Man shot inside of Sixth Street Tavern says he will be okay after shooting. Isn't that nice? They go, they go, how are you enjoying it here? He goes, I love Austin and I'm going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Man shot in, uh, in West Campus, Austin police search for suspect. Man critically injured in North Austin shooting at shopping center. From Soros to unions, the left poured major money into effort to defeat Austin's police staffing proposition. Fox News article. Not, not quite a shooting, but mm. maybe related. So that's really what they are. It's the, it's the live shooting capital of the world. If you want to see a live shooting, and a lot of people do because music is boring, but if you want to see a live shooting, if you want to see someone get killed, mm-hmm. 
go to downtown Austin because it is the live shooting capital of the world. So you hear the banjos going and the guitar, and then you're going to hear what sounds like a snare drum, but it's shooting. Maybe that's why everybody keeps calling it the live music capital of the world because they're confusing a snare drum with a, a, a gun. That's not a drum. It's gunshots. Who's this? Uh, well, he, they, Why are we looking him he, up? He was a famous, uh, one of the most famous mass shootings was at the University of Texas. They got started early. No. Charles Whitman, he had the tumor in his head, and he was sniping people from the clock tower on campus. So they have a long history here. We need him back. Well, let's get out of here. Because you know what's coming now is the flash mobs. Now, mm-hmm. I've I, uh, warned of this uh, many, many uh, moons ago. I was on the record talking, I think, about flash mobs. I'm unsure. Now, the flash mob is not nearly as fun as it sounds. What it is is a gang of 20 or 30 people, and they run into Nordstrom's, which would be fine because no one cares about faceless corporations like Nordstrom's, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of. But they they beat the people in the Nordstrom, mm-hmm. so that's not good. So the flash mobs come in, and they're not, you know, a lot of people try to make them out to be like fun, you know, theatrical events where people are just kind of like striking a death blow to capitalism by grabbing a few handbags. But they're beating the people at Nordstrom's. They're attacking them. They're hurting security guards. They're hurting people that work at Nordstrom's. It's not good. And Seth Rogen thinks it's good. (laughs) Seth Rogen thinks it's good. Uh And Seth Rogen, do you know what he did recently? Mm -hmm. Seth Rogen drove a few people over to Casey Neistat's house to rob his car. Seth Rogen is facing backlash after downplaying YouTuber Casey Neistat's experience with car theft. Uh, Casey Neistat has children. Mm. He had uh, a pinata or something in the back of his car. Something like that, yeah. Party favors, Mm. decorations. I believe so, yeah. All right. So somebody (laughs) robbed them. Yeah, here, I got the thread right here. And and Casey was uh, unhappy. Mm. And he tweeted, so our cars got robbed this morning because Los Angeles is a crime-riddled third-world shithole of a city. Well, that's a lot, but hey. He goes, but tremendous appreciation and gratitude to the hardworking officers at LAPD West, who not only arrested the motherfucker, but they got all of our stolen goods back. So that's Casey Neistat taking the terribly popular position of uh, calling out LA for being crime-ridden and then also saying, hey, uh, thanks to the cops, which a lot of people do not love. Hey. Thanks to the cops. And then Seth Rogen says, "Um, dude, I've lived here for 20 years. You're nuts. Ha ha. It's lovely here. Don't leave anything valuable in it, in your car, in it. It's called living in a big city. So Seth Rogen's whole point is like, hey, man, relax. And Casey goes, I can still be mad, though, right? I feel so violated. Seth Rogen goes, you can be mad, but I guess I don't personally view my car as an extension of myself. And I've never really felt violated any of the 15 or so times my car was broken into. Once a guy accidentally left a cool knife in my car. So if it keeps happening, you might get a little treat. So Seth Rogen is high, as usual, right? He's always high, right? That's his thing. Yeah. He's a drug addict. Yeah, he's like a weed company. He likes drugs. Yeah, sure. There's nothing wrong with it. He's addicted to drugs, probably. I, I mean, this is there's nothing wrong with that, but that seems to be what his thing is, right? He sells weed. He's... So he, like, doesn't care about people. Seth Rogen would be robbing cars if he wasn't an actor, probably. 
That's kind of what this comes down to. Seth Rogen's like, hey, man, I'd be breaking into your car if I wasn't uh, uh, an actor who's a funny guy. And Seth Rogen's made some great movies. Sure. But, you know, I think Seth Rogen's kind of like, I, uh, I um, really, like, empathize with whoever stole your daughter's party decorations out of your car. Mm. Because, frankly, I would be doing something similar had I, if I wasn't a multi, multi, multi millionaire. Seth is kind of an example of a guy who seems to have run, he's run so far to the left, he's in self parody. He's, it's not even real anymore. Like he's unable to make a point that doesn't descend into some type of parody because he's so on another planet that I understand people going, Casey, you're overstating it. LA is not a third world shithole. Most of it might be. Some of it is. But not all of it, right? You can't say all of it, sure. right? And I understand, like, Seth Rogen being like, hey, man, that was a little bit much. But then Seth Rogen being like, I don't view my car as an extension of myself. Well, what if someone put a gun to your head and made you get out of it? And they stole it. Because here's the deal. Seth Rogen doesn't need to view his car as an extension of himself because he's rich. Mm. See, rich people don't care about cars because they can get new ones. They can, uh, you know, have a driver pick them up. It doesn't really matter. But if all you owned is a car, now certain people, all they own, now this may surprise Seth Rogen, I'm sure it wouldn't, I'm sure he knows, but all certain people own is a car. Now Casey Neistat is not one of those people. He owns more than, this is why it's tough, right? Yeah, yeah sure. It's tough. Mm -hmm. It's like the comics who are commenting on me and Michael Che. It's like two guys with a lot of money upset at each other, and then some guy eating rats being like, oh, one day he's going to win. <laughs> ah. It's... Some people just have a car. So when your car is broken into, to some people, it's not nothing. Mm -hmm. It's something. I remember when I, when all I had was my car and I would do cocaine and get in accidents. And it's upsetting when you are coked out of your face and drunk and you smash up your car and it's all you own. It's a big deal. So I could only imagine how I would have felt if someone broke into it because I was devastated uh, at uh, when I smashed uh, uh, total five cars, and that was very sad. But Seth has to understand that that not everybody has a real estate portfolio and projects they care about. Mm -hmm. You know, Seth is lucky. Like we're lucky. We get to do something we like. We have projects, mm -hmm. and people care about projects and things you get to see come to fruition. Things you can start and pour your mind and body and soul into and then and then love and 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 curate and then see them go from nothing to something their movies and books and whatever and um not everyone has that some people literally just have a Chevy Cruze and they they and they're proud of it mm -hmm. and they work their ass off for it so if somebody walks by and smashes it and grabs their shit out of it they're going to be upset and I think California, and they, uh, California has problems with uh, the crime. And now you have the flash mobs, which the flash mob thing is um, smash and grab. It's the old smash and grab. Mm -hmm. We're back to the 80s. The smash and grab is you smash and then grab, and you do it in, in uh, large numbers. So sometimes it's people in Beverly Hills. Sometimes they hit a Nordstrom's. Mm -hmm. 
they hit these uh, department stores or sometimes they go into a store, they smash and they grab what they can get and they're out. And every now and then a security guard or an employee gets in their way and they fuck them up. And that's not nice. Um, now some people go, hey, what's the problem? Like Seth Rogen types would go, what's the problem with their kids having fun? Now they're not kids, but this is probably the refrain sure. from the, you know, the people that, you know, they go, what's the big deal? I could even be persuaded. Hey, a flash mob here and there, I think is fun. It keeps everybody on their toes. I don't necessarily think it's the end of the world. A flash mob here and there. A little flash mob here and there. Keeps you going. But it's becoming a pattern of behavior and it's becoming troubling because innocent people that work in these stores are getting hurt. They're getting smacked, beaten up. They killed some dude, I think. I don't know, but they're they're these flash mobbers are they're out of control. And the whole thing here is civilization clearly doesn't work perfectly. And there's a lot of people out there going, well, if it doesn't work perfectly, maybe we should just get rid of it. Why do we need any of it? Why can't you run into a store, kill a security guard, and steal a handbag? Is there a good reason for that? Well, there's a few. You shouldn't kill an innocent person so that you can get a Gucci handbag. Mm. And this is anarchy, which a lot of people seem to not mind, right? It's it's anarchy if you are uh, uh, shopping and all of a sudden you have to duck and cover because 30 people have run into the store to smash things and take. That's lawlessness. Mm. And some people go, what's the problem? Seth Rogen, I've never viewed Nordstrom's as an extension of myself. It's lovely here. What's the He's just hiding in menswear. What's the problem? So what? 30 people that are armed have entered a Nordstrom's to fuck around and take some shit. So I guess that that's the attitude. But I think most people are starting to uh, get a little tired of it. Last Friday, a mass smash and grab hit luxury stores in Union Square in San Francisco. And the next night, a Nordstrom in Walnut Creek in the East Bay. 80 people jumped out of a pack of cars just before closing time and swarmed the store's aisles. Many escaping with merchandise. Two employees were assaulted, one of them with pepper spray. Then, shortly after midnight last Sunday, culprits used a sledgehammer to smash storefront windows at a Louis Vuitton and a Saks Fifth Avenue in Beverly Hills, police said. But patrol cars arrived to scare the thieves off before they could go inside. At the Grove in L.A.'s Fairfax district this week, the Nordstrom robbery did not appear to be deterring shoppers. Guadalupe Rivas extended a 12-year tradition of trekking from Bakersfield to the popular outdoor mall on Wednesday for holiday shopping the day before Thanksgiving. She was en route to meeting family in Fullerton. What? Who is writing these articles? <laughs> this is so weird. She said the smash and grab robbery was not going to deter her. I quote, I've never felt scared here, and I wasn't going to let that stop me. Here's what I love. They they got to put in like, like the pro yeah. shopping message mm-hmm. always, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. The smash and grabs did not deter the brave Guadalupe Rivas, who drove from Bakersfield 
to stare down these anarchists herself, if need be. She was going to the Grove. This is her 12-year tradition of going to the Grove and buying shit the day after Thanksgiving. Reeves quipped, I might ask one of them to help me with my bags. She doesn't give a fuck. Hold on, let me read. It said, Reeves shopped at several boutiques and said she felt secure with guards protecting entrances to Nordstrom's and the Apple Store. A pair of LAPD officers all, were also posted at the police kiosk and Reva said, I might ask one of them to help me with my back. They shoot her immediately. <laughs> She's like, is there any way we can... <laughs> she was a flash mob. It was a mob. Oh, uh, the employees were not allowed to comment. Mm. Nordstrom employees said they were not allowed to comment about the robbery and referred questions to a corporate spokesman. In a statement, the company said, quote, given recent incidents at two of our stores and incidents across the country... We've been heightening our in-store security presence and implementing additional protective measures. Here's the problem, folks. If you, if you, if the whole attitude is let's get rid of the police, is it fair? By the way, is this advocates of the workers out there? I know, uh, you know, many of you are hate watching this. Is it fair to take the police, their job, and give it to the hourly workers at Nordstrom's? Should they be the ones handling this problem? Does that seem fair to you? Saying let's get rid of the cops, let's let's place all the responsibility on these people at Nordstrom's who are getting pepper sprayed and beaten? Because you know what happened? The the stimulus is over, the COVID stuff's over. And people are out there and they're excited. And they're getting uh and they want to commit crimes. And they know that. You know, this is a great climate to commit crimes because as soon as you commit a crime, Seth Rogen will defend you, no matter what it is. So when you have celebrities coming in to defend you, you go, I think this is a great idea. Who cares? Let's go. Let's grab some merch over at Nordstrom's. Have you ever shoplifted... No, I never have. Never once. I guess when I was like three, I stole some uh, colorful Band-Aids. I wanted to add Fred Flintstone on them. Why then, would you steal them at three? I, I wanted them. My mom said no, and then I had to bring them back, and I was crying. And I never stole again. She caught you? Mm -hmm. And what did she say? She was like, very bad. She was like, very, very bad. We're going back to the store. Why didn't she just get you the Band-Aids? Uh, I was probably being a piece of shit all day. I was probably being nasty. You were not a good kid. I don't think so. And very few people liked you. <laughs> I've spoken to family no, members. No, I would poop my pants all the time. No, you were a real piece of shit. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. <laughs> but what I'm, what I'm uh, saying here and, uh, is that... Um, now, why don't we do... I'll do a... It, could we do a flash mob in like a fun flash mob in a fro froyo place and just still the froyo from yeah. the, the toppings too. like something fun where we don't pepper spray maybe we pepper spray because that comes out right mm. maybe we pepper spray one of the young girls working in the froyo just don't get it on the toppings you don't want that. yeah you i would pepper spray her in the eyes and then i would steal the yogurt and then seth rogan would defend me <laughs> that would be my hope <laughs> if we could make something like that happen then, but I, I used to steal a juice. I stole a fresh squeezed orange juice every day from the food emporium for two years on Eighth Avenue uh, in New York City before I got on my tour bus. Oh, yeah. And one day, 
uh, one of these guys who just got out of jail, who was like a do-gooder, caught me, and he was working at Food Emporium, and he goes, I'm catching you. He goes, I just got out of jail. And he's like, and he was like this, he became a rat. He became like this like bad person Awful. who got out of jail and was now ratting on people. And he hated me, and I hated him. And I stole that uh, juice. I would steal a pizza at this place, Suburban Eats, which is a deli in Melville, Long Island, and I'd eat it on the line while I was paying for my sandwich. So every day I'd eat a slice of pizza very quickly, oh. and by the time I got, by the time I got to the cashier, uh -huh. I would only pay for my sandwich because the pizza was gone. So I did little things like that. But I never did a flash mob, you know. How do you, how do you get into a flash mob? How do thirty or forty people? Some of these are eighty people. They really have to organize here. To... It's truly kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Eighty people. You know what it reminds me of? The scene from Ghost, uh, not Ghostbusters. Um, the scene from uh, Batman where, you know, Jack Nicholson walks in and they're all oh, yeah, yeah. with the boom boxes mm -hmm. and everything mm -hmm. in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just saying if you're going to uh, do a flash mob, think twice about it. Think twice about it because uh, you don't want to hurt an innocent person and you shouldn't steal. It's wrong. Unusual symptoms of mutant COVID strain, South African doctor who first raised alarm about Omicron warns its early signs are mild and patients do not lose their sense or smell. So they shut down, again, this was like the biggest story, Omicron, Omicron, whatever they call it. The Omicron. New, Omicron, the new COVID variants here. Uh, Fauci's like, lockdowns are not off the table. Israel mm. shut their borders. Mm. Other people are shutting their borders. It came out of an HIV patient in South Africa, yeah, right? That's what I've read, yeah. Yeah, they're really, they're really pulling out all the stops for Omicron. They're like, let's give it an origin story. It came out of an AIDS patient <laughs> in South Africa. They were like, what failed with the other ones? They're like, they didn't have origin stories. Give Omicron an origin story. Okay, say it came out of an AIDS patient. Oh, okay. Omicron has since been detected in Britain, Germany, Italy, Belgium, Botswana, Israel, Hong Kong, and Australia. While Australian health authorities are today conducting an investigation into a suspected case. Now, South African doctor says this is like a tempest in a teapot. It's a storm in a teacup. He goes, listen, guys, who cares? The symptoms are very mild. It is maybe a little bit more transmissible, but like every virus, mm. there's a lot more mutations, and it weakens the virus over time. But nobody wants to hear that. But isn't that what you're hearing too? Yeah, that's what I'm that hearing. This was a. This is not uh, the end of the world. This is not what people think at all. This is going to be absolutely fine. I'm hoping it's a false alarm and the market rebounds and yeah, everything. because the market yeah. got slaughtered. Everybody Sla thinks yeah. that uh, you know the plague is here. Mm -hmm. But well, we've got the Gislaine Maxwell trial, mm -hmm. and we've got all kinds of things. So there's nothing wrong with a little Omicron to get everybody. Uh, here we go. We had one very interesting case, a kid about six years old with a temperature and a very high pulse rate. And I wondered if I should admit her. When I followed up two days later, she was so much better. They're saying it's increased heart rate, a little temperature. Mm -hmm. 
The variant could pose a danger, a greater danger to the elderly, which is every variant, including the original COVID. The fatigue is supposed to be more intense. There's more intense fatigue, but we don't know, right? I no, mean, how how we long are we? Data. How long are we into this pandemic now? Two years. Yeah, coming up on two. This is the last one, I think. And I know that we've been saying that forever, but. This is the last, I think this is the variant where at the end it weakens. The new potentially more contagious Omicron variant of the coronavirus popped up in more European countries on Saturday just after being identified in South Africa, leaving governments around the world scrambling to stop the spread. I love it. Scrambling to stop the spread. The UK on Saturday tightened its rules on mask wearing and testing of international arrivals after finding two cases. This may fuck up. Our European tour, our UK, yeah, uh, you know Ireland and uh, London. London, we don't Glasgow, want it to. Scotland. I hope not in Scotland, but we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen because, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not understanding this. I'm confused because apparently people are rushing to stop the spread of something that is incredibly mild. I, I don't, but. You know, we're going to play it by ear. It may not affect us. Omicron. Uh, Omicron. Omicron. What is the history of the name? Why is it named Omicron? Pfizer and Moderna are like, we'll just cook up another Vax. It's another trill. They kept uh, naming the variants after Greek letters to avoid public confusion. But they can't use Z because that's the president of China. Mm. Wouldn't it be funny and if they, gender. I just want to see the CEO of Pfizer. Can we get a million-dollar listing episode of the $190 million house the CEO of Pfizer is going to buy in Beverly Hills? Just the CEO of Moderna? Mm. A lot of new pharma billionaires being created. I just want to see a nice episode of Selling Sunset, which is returned. Uh, the brain did women up the street uh, sell real estate, and these two little dwarf kings um, are they own this real estate brokerage, mm. these two dwarf kings. And then they have this, this woman named Christine Quinn, who's the whole reason for the show. She's a lichen. Google lichen. Now, a lichen uh, is a mythological figure. Um, and. I think I'm spelling it wrong. Yeah, it's lichen. It's something to do with Thor. Lichen, Thor. It's a... She's a lichen. Well, any event. Ben will get that up. And uh, she's like... She's very tall, and she's kind of albino, and she wears these crazy mm -hmm. outfits. And uh, her and all the other women uh, fight with each other. They don't really sell houses. Uh, the Dwarf Kings sell the houses. And, and then the women like... Uh, walk uh you know walk around these open houses mm. we went to a few open houses today um but i just want a selling sunset episode where just the ceo of pfizer goes and buys what do you have there that's a like an l-y-c-a-o-n and they're they're very evil it says they're like half wolf well, no, I don't. I don't know that you are really. You're very bad at this. It's kind of interesting how bad you are at looking things. Well, up. this is from mythology. I mean, you're lichen. you're good at other things, but you're really not good at this, right? I mean, you. This is and even people comment. 
this is where you don't really add anything. I don't shine. Well, you can't even get to what I'm talking about. It's very strange that you 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 can't even get to it. You're pulling up uh, pictures of hyenas. This is from mythology. What the- about the movie Underworld: Rise of the Lycans? Can you Google Underworld: Rise of the Lycans, please? Thank you. Mm, interesting. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyway, the point is, these people, are, you want to talk about a flash mob. When Moderna and Pfizer, when their CEOs start buying mm-hmm. houses, it's going to be wow. And I just hope I get to see it. I hope I get to see it. I hope I'm around and alive to see it. It should be soon, so hopefully I'll be here. Um, Ghislaine Maxwell, they're now saying she could win. How can she win? There are five ways. I like that someone has said there are five things Ghislaine Maxwell can do to win. Five ways Ghislaine can win her child trafficking case as her trial gets underway in New York. These are five ways. Okay, let's count them down because... um, Five ways this social aide 59, she's almost 60, could win her case as she faces up to 80 years in jail on six charges, including sex trafficking of a minor. Okay, let's see. Scapegoat for Epstein. So she could claim she was being used as a scapegoat for Epstein. Well, that's an interesting way to do it. Okay, that's number five. Number four, a desire for cash. According to pre-trial court filings, the four women who had leveled allegations against Maxwell have received, quote, millions of dollars from a compensation program set up after Epstein's death. They're gold-digging whores. That's what she's going to say. They're gold-digging whores. False memories of abuse. This is one of the good ones. One of my favorites. Leading cognitive psychologist professor Elizabeth Loftus is set to argue that Maxwell's alleged victims may have been influenced by media stories and conversations with other accusers into creating, quote, false memories. One of my favorites. This is one of my favorites. They, they trotted this out in the 80s, the 90s. They go, no matter what happens, if, if a kid alleges somebody abused them, they go, oh, false memories. Quote, her testimony will concern the workings of human memory, the effects of suggestion on memory, the mechanism of the creation of false memories, the characteristics of false memories, how memory fades and weakens over time, and how memory becomes more vulnerable to contamination. So you can easily be convinced you were taken to an island and you sucked Alan Dershowitz's dick even if you didn't. Mm Mm-hmm. Right to a fair trial. Now, this one I can understand. Maxwell's team could argue that her right to a fair trial has been scuppered. Interesting word. I would have said compromised. By media coverage and other scrutiny following her arrest. After she was taken into custody, William Sweeney, the FBI's assistant director for New York, labeled her a villain who, quote, slithered away to a gorgeous property. It was fine. Um... Age of accusers. Lawyers for Maxwell are set to argue that not all of the alleged victims were underage. Her accusers are listed as minor victims, one, two, three, and four, on the indictment, but her team will highlight that one was 17 when she was allegedly assaulted and that the age of consent uh, in the UK is 16. And the age of consent in New Mexico is 16. Well, 
I still think it's going to be an uphill battle for her. But those are, that's not a, a, a bad way to do it. Get out and you say these money-grubbing hoes mm-hmm. are trying to get money. Also, they are not telling the truth. They have false memories that were implanted in their heads. I'm being used as a scapegoat. And if all of that fails, she was 17, Mm. which I love. That's my favorite. They have false memories. None of this happened. And she was 17. So even if it did happen, Mm. who cares? It's not a big deal. We wish her the best. And, you know, how was your Thanksgiving? Was it good? Mine was uh, fine. It was disappointing. You know, I had a bunch of friends over, a few people. You know, the thing is with these families, you got to get a real family because these uh, families that you cobble together of these, uh, you know, it just, you know, it's fine. But you want to, you got to get a real family in life, Mm -hmm. you know? So it was a good, it was good. But I, I, you know, I can't uh, do Thanksgiving with my family and I don't want to. I have no gumption to do that and I never will again. Um, I might get my aunt. I've, I've, there are certain people that I would invite separate from other people, but you had a lovely time. Lovely time. Played golf uh, yeah. out, out in the woods. Yeah. Good time. Yeah, I mean, that's good. I just, I have no interest, you know, in uh, in uh, doing it, but I, I think I have to just adopt a kid and uh, get married or something because there's not much else to do in life. I mean, we've been relatively successful with the show and, uh, you know, touring and everything like that, but it's really meaningless. And uh, everyone around you is uh, kind of a horrible person. So you just have to get another thing going. And anyone that doesn't have a family is crazy. Anyone that doesn't have a family or that thinks like it's uh, not worthwhile to have a family is kind of crazy. Because these things you cobble together from people, it just doesn't work. You know, you need... You need a family. You need that unit, whether you're gay or straight or whatever you are. Pedophile. Ghislaine Max, any of these, but you just mm-hmm. need a family. Yeah, she's close with her family. Yeah. They're a family. Yeah. Why doesn't Seth Rogen defend her? <laughs> go, what a, boy, is this a big deal? Seth Rogen goes, is this, is this a big deal? <laughs> Seth Rogen goes, I've lived here for 20 years. I've never viewed my young daughter as an extension of myself. <laughs> Who cares? I've never felt violated. What's the big deal? Yeah. What? That's what I mean. It's easy to defend like property crime because mm-hmm. no one cares about it. Why don't you defend this? Grow some balls and defend her like I have. I've gone on the ledge to defend this woman. And nobody uh, will back me up. That's what Casey Neistat should have tweeted. He should have tweeted, I feel violated that that they broke into my car. And if we're going to live in a lawless society, then free Ghislaine. How about that? I hope everything works out. It's a, uh, it's odd. It's been a, it's been a weird news week. Everything's been kind of dominated by this. Uh, fake COVID variant that uh, is not doing anything to anyone, and yet yeah. seems totally fake. You know, Fauci's on the news now, and again, he's addicted to himself. Mm. The thing with Fauci, Tony Fauci, 
Anthony Fauci, he's addicted to himself. Um, you know, he's the real pandemic, if you ask me. You know what the real pandemic is, Fauci? Vanity. Vanity is the real pandemic. And I'd like you to pipe down a little bit. Is there no one else that works? Remember, the, is there no one else that works at like the CDC? Can we get no one else except him? Is he the only czar of coughing that this country has? Is there nobody else that might be a little bit more comforting after two years with this guy who's provably lied to us and has some sketchy past with the gain-of-function research? Like, Just from a pure casting point of view, sure. is there not anyone else? Is there nobody? It's just this guy again. Can you pull up the um, interview that he just did? Mm-hmm. He just did an interview where he was basically like, yeah, hey. Uh, this one on uh, the, the NBC one, right? Yeah, meet the press. Mm-hmm. Joining me now is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. It is Dr. Anthony Fauci, and of course, he's the president's chief advisor on COVID. Dr. Fauci, welcome back to Meet the Press. So uh, with you, Chuck. <laughs> I, I did some calendar math here. Uh, the He's Delta not even variant impressed. Pause was labeled it. a variant of concern. Fauci's not even like mildly amused <laughs> so, anymore yeah. to be on Meet the Press. He wants yeah. to be on somewhere bigger. Mm. Like Fauci want, Fauci's not thrilled with this. Mm. He's like, hey, man, fine. Yeah, I'm here. The Sunday chat shows yawn. Let's see what uh, Dr. Fauci has to say about um, um, Omicron. In May, obviously, uh, it didn't really hit us until mid-July. And, of course, we had a terrible surge there for about two months. Here we are post-November. So we are already experiencing a surge. Now we have this. Are we headed for a bleak winter here, sir? You know, Chuck, a, a lot of whether or not we're headed into a bleak or bleaker winter is really going to depend upon what we do. And I think what you're seeing is just the manifestation of what we've been talking about, why it is so important for people to get vaccinated and for those who are fully vaccinated to get boosted. Because even when you have variants like this, and there's a lot of unknowns about this variant, we know from experience that when you get a level of protection with vaccine and particularly now with the extraordinary increase in protection you get with the booster, even when you have variants of concern, you do well against them. It may not be as good in protecting against initial infection, but it has a very important impact on diminishing the likelihood that you're going to get a severe outcome from it. So this is a clarion call as far as I'm concerned of saying, let's put aside all of these differences that we have and say, if you're not vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you're fully vaccinated, get boosted and get the children vaccinated also. We now have time. Thank goodness that the South Africans were, are really extraordinarily good in what they did. They were completely transparent right from the beginning. We were on the phone getting real-time mm-hmm. information for them on Friday. We're going to be talking to them again today. So we have an advantage of this. We have an up on it. The we worst know what's going accents on. in the world. We're getting South mi- African, by the way. The worst accents of any. Ugh. Have you heard a South African accent? Ernie L's, yeah. Ugh. It's the worst. Mm-hmm. 
more, more information in real time. When you, when you diminish or stop or block travel from a particular country, yeah. there's a reason for that. It's to give you time to do things. So don't let this, this uh, uh, decision that was made about blocking the travel from certain countries yeah. go without a positive effect. And the positive effect is to get us better prepared to rev up on the vaccination, to be, to be really ready for something that may not actually be a big deal, but we want to make sure that I, we're prepared for the worst. And that's what we should be doing. Okay, why is, what is it about this variant that you've seen so far that has everybody so alarmed? that the other variants that we've had in between Delta and this one, you know, Delta alarmed folks, this one alarmed folks, Lambda and Mu, for instance, haven't. What makes Omicron so concerning to you? Yeah. Well, right now what we have is we have the, 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 the window into the mutations that are in this new variant. And they are troublesome in the fact that there are about 32 or more variants in that very important spike protein of the virus, which is the business end of the virus. And there's about 10 or more of these mutations that are on that part of the virus. We call it the receptor binding domain that actually binds to the cells in your nasopharynx and in your lung. In other words, the profile of the mutations strongly suggests that it's going to have an advantage in transmissibility and that it might evade immune protection that you would right. get, for example, from a monoclonal antibody or from the convalescent or serum a vaccine. after a person has right? been infected and possibly even against some of the vaccine-induced right. antibodies. Interesting. So it's not necessarily that that's going to happen, right. but it's a strong indication that we really need to be prepared for that. Okay. That, together with the fact that it just kind of exploded in the sense that when you look in South right. Africa. So we, we, we get what the whole thing The whole thing is like, hey, we don't know. This is the same thing with every variant. They go, we don't know if the vaccines are going to work, but get the vaccines. But we don't know if they're going to work, but they might. And, uh, you know, it's everybody's best guess, right? And uh, it's called Omicron, and it's coming to a theater near you. And... Uh, there's not much anybody knows. They kind of, I'm sure they go around in circles for the rest of the interview. Right. Um, you know, like I said, you know, I, I lack uh, the expertise in virology to know anything about the new variant. I just, from the doctors in South Africa, they have said they are noticing in extremely mild illness mm -hmm. and that there's not a really crazy cause for concern as opposed to... Everybody else, it's like shutting the borders and like, don, 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 Omicron. So there does seem to be a little messaging snafu between the doctors going, yeah, we don't even understand what's going on. Mm. And then people going, hey, this has got 32 mutations of the spike protein. It could have evade the vaccines. It could evade the monoclonal antibody. And we don't know. Maybe it will. I don't know. But then you have people in South Africa going, so far we've seen very mild cases mm -hmm. and so i don't know what to do we just hope the tour doesn't get uh hampered outside of the united states of uh america the doctors are saying the symptoms are mild but i say let's do a state of emergency first like the governor of new york kathy hochel 
Shut it down. I'm ready for another. I mean, people yell at me when I say this, but I'm ready for a sabbatical. I'm ready to do a month or two in the desert. Mm. Shut it down. Shut it down. Flash mob. Let's do flash mobs. Mm. Shut it down. Flash mobs. (laughs) I don't understand the problem with taking a month or two of not working. Mm Mm-hmm. The supply chain's fucked anyway. Nothing's coming in. You can't go buy a couch. Mm -mm. They'll straight up tell you it's going to take a year. You're out of your lease at that point. What the fuck's the point? Take a month or two. Let's shut it down. Omicron. Flash mobs. Flash mobs for a few months. Get 80 of your friends and start knocking over Nordstrom's for a few months. Mm -hmm. Better safe than sorry. Omicron flash mobs. Canada's indigenous health expert, Carrie Barassa, loses job in ancestry. Claims proven false. And this is something that a lot of people have sent me. It's very funny. Uh, what did she claim to be? Native American. And what was she? Russian. And how did they find that out? Uh, she took a test, I believe. Yeah. Well, you win some and you lose some. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, why not? You win some, you lose some. And she lost. Yeah, she said her name was like Morningstar Bear. Yep. She's a I'm Bear Clan. She said her name was Morningstar Bear? I swear to God, right here. In 2019. She's a seemed- follower of Owen Benjamin. It's interesting. <laughs> but this might have nothing to do with Native Americans. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. Um, I don't know what's going on. Take her out and kill her. (laughs) Why don't you prove a point? Take her out and put a gun to the head. Kill her. Kill her. Let the Omicron get her. Don't vaccinate her. Omicron. Flash mobs. I'm very excited that we're two years uh, into the pandemic. We're now entering the Omicron flash mob part of this disease which is perfect and beautiful a scary sounding variant accompanied with 30 or 40 people pepper spraying Nordstrom's employees banging their heads (laughs) off the walls and grabbing handbags who said we weren't gonna who said we were gonna come out of this stronger because they were right they were correct we came out of it much stronger Mm -hmm. We came out of it 80 people strong pulling up outside the mall about to bang your head against a wall to grab a handbag. Omicron. Flash mobs. I can't get upset about it. I just have to move. You know, I just have to go on and Mm -hmm. quote, my name is Morningstar Bear, she said tearfully as the crowd cheered. I'm Bear Clan. I'm... And Anishabi Metis from Treaty 4 territory, she proclaimed, as she described an impoverished childhood beset by violence. And she's in full tribal regalia in this. Of course. Great! She had a feather in her hair, the whole thing. Of course she did. (laughs) 
When I saw the TEDx, to be quite honest, I was repulsed by how hard she was working to pass herself off as indigenous, said Winona Wheeler, an associate professor of indigenous studies. Wheeler, a documented member of Manitoba's Fisher River Cree Nation, started digging into Barassa's genealogical records and took her findings to the media. Oh, that's great. Great. This is a good movie now. <laughs> this is gonna this is gonna be like a movie. You remember how like there would be mysteries mm-hmm. where somebody would take it upon themselves to look into somebody else yeah, yeah. and they would find out that they were like a murderer. Mm-hmm. Or they would find out that you like, you know, you're not the true uh, you know, inheritor of the estate and they find out that you're a liar and mm-hmm. Now they're going to find out that you're not a Native American. You're really not. Mm, it's like a Maury episode. It's going to be the end of the movie, just ripping the feather out of her hair. <laughs> it's like the end of Tommy Boy with Bo Derek. They find out that Rob Lowe and Bo Derek were dating. They're oh, not yeah. mother and son. Mm. It's going to be like this, except they're going to be like, you're not, you're not Morningstar Bear, are you? <laughs> you're a dumb white bitch. Who says there's no good movies on the horizon? Well, we wish Morning Star Bear the best. You are what you are in your heart. You know? Now, this woman's insane, clearly. Yeah, God, she's not uh, not a looker. Boy. Well... Don't move to Austin, folks. I'll tell you that much. You're uh, upsetting the apple cart down there. There's Morningstar Bear. How much you want to bet she moves to Austin? Morningstar Bear, you've got a home in Austin, Texas. University of Austin. Come to the University of Austin mm-hmm. and teach. Barry Weiss is. is <laughs> we've just added Morningstar Bear. <laughs> To our, to all of the academic heavyweights at the University of Austin. Maybe Seth Rogen will go, who cares? I've lived here 20 years. I can't tell who's Native American and who's not. What does it matter? I've never viewed someone's cultural ancestry as an extension of myself. Sometimes you'll get a nice treat. Like someone who pretends to be Native American will give you a knife. It's fun. Seth Rogen just defends every pro- mm. everybody accused of anything. Mm. All right, folks. TimDillonComedy.com. Come see us live on the road. We've got all kinds of dates. We've added second shows in Atlanta. Sacramento. Go grab those. And there's still some tickets left for St. Louis. Reading, Pennsylvania. Uh, all over the place. It's going to be a lot of fun. Finishing out the year strong here. Garden City, Idaho. And we have a late show as well in Garden City, Idaho. So grab that. And then, of course, Toronto on New Year's. That is a big one at Meridian Hall. Mm. Toronto, Ontario, New Year's. A massive New Year's show. Hopefully we can do it with Omicron. And then, of course, so far, Glasgow, Dublin, London. We are in the UK. Hopefully Omicron. Doesn't fuck us over. And then Huntington, New York, at the Paramount Theater, shooting a special there uh, in late January, and then Red Bank, New Jersey. So timdillacomedy.com for live tickets. Thank you so much. Omicron, flash mobs, Morningstar Bear.